So who can remember what I've been preaching on for the past couple of weeks? Yes, that too, Jesus. And the book of James. Right. So we've looked at the book of James and, and we've seen that we get tested. Who's been through a bit of a testing in the last while? Something that's been, been challenging you. A little bit of a trial, something that is, is difficult. And, and you know what God does is he allows it in our lives so that he can strengthen our faith. James taught us that we can come to God in faith when we lack wisdom. And we can actually ask him. And the Bible says that Jesus, that God will give us wisdom if we ask. That's quite cool, eh? And we know that God sees everything from every single angle. Have you ever looked at, 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 at trying to like build something like Mika, Nika, Mika, Nika, huh? Mm. Nike, Nike with the R. <laughs> so like she said, there's bolts and nuts. So whenever you build something, then you try and look at it from every angle. So, so um, John and Andrea's sister's got a, a, a boyfriend, and he loves Star Wars. Who likes Star Wars? I like Star Wars, right? I really like Star Wars, right? So, so what he's done is, is he's, he's taken the Millennium Falcon, and he built this thing out of Lego. It's like 7,000 pieces, I think. It took him like five days to do. It would be the coolest thing ever to build. Because it's also Lego. So, but for him to be able to build this thing, he's had to look at it from every single angle to be able to make sure that it's right. And it's exactly the same thing with God. He can see things in your life from every single angle. And we know that he's involved with it. And he knows how to handle it. Also, what we've learned is that there's temptation that can lure us away. Who gets tempted on a daily basis? Anyone? Okay. We all get tempted. Why? Because what do we all have in our heads? An eye. An eyeball. Right? I can touch mine because I've got contacts. And it freaks everyone out when you do it. And we all have ears, right? So we can listen to things. And what is the biggest thing that we have? It's your mouth. Because many times we can say things. Sometimes we say stupid things. And so we need to be careful that we don't blame God for when we go through tough times. Because you see, God allows things in our lives because he wants to build our character. He wants to build our faith. And so tonight I'm going to go into, I want us to read James chapter 1 verse 19 to 21. And the title of my sermon tonight is, Having a Faith to Let Go. Having Faith to Let Go. Whom of us likes to hold on to things? Eh? 
And did you know that most women are archaeologists? Because they have this incanic ability to dig up the past. Aha, I've had to share that one and offend a couple of people. I'm just joking, guys. Please, I'm just joking. But the thing is, we all are like that, men as well. Whenever we get into a fight, when you've been married for a long time, or you've got friendships, or people, what you do is, is you bring up the past because you struggle to let go. We all do, because we try and hold on to things. But God says to us, he wants us to just have faith to let go. And in James 1 verse 19, it says, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. One of the most difficult things in life is to let go and to let God. It is hard. And we take life issues. We all have issues, right? Is anyone perfect yet? Can you stick up your hand tonight? No, nope, sorry, Matt. Not you, Brie. So we all have issues. But what we do is, is we take those issues and we keep it in our hearts. And what we do is, is we let it simmer. Like a slow cooker. Huh? You put it in a slow cooker and you let it cook slowly and slowly and slowly. And exactly like we said tonight, is you don't deal with stuff. So what you do is, is you put it there to the side. And you leave it there. And you leave it there. And eventually what happens is it explodes. And when it explodes, people get hurt. So my first point tonight is be quick to listen. Everyone says you've got to be able to listen. I struggle to listen. I do. That's tough. My wife always says to me, babe, can you please listen to me? Because we always have this default of we're trying to give advice. Who's like that? We always try and give advice. Because we're like, someone comes to you and says, I've got a little bit of a problem. Yes, but this is what you need to do. This is how you fix it. Because when you, who, who watched the rugby last night? Huh? We watched the rugby. Luckily, we weren't getting too passionate at where we were watching the rugby. But most guys stand on the side of the, the watching the rugby or watching it and being like, Ref, can't you see? Open your eyes. Because we always know better than someone else. Because we have a view from outside. We're not in the action. And so what we do is we're quick to give people advice, but we need to learn to listen. And listening doesn't just mean waiting for your turn to speak. I told someone this week that when you are with your husband or with your wife, and sometimes you struggle to talk to them, who's, who's ever had the talking stick or the talking thingy? Okay? And what you do is, is when it's your turn to talk, you hold the thingy. 
And then while you've got the thingy, then you can talk about the thingies, the thingies, the thingies that you want to talk about. And then when you give it to the other person, but most times the other person, you don't really want to give it to the other person. So they've got to grab it from you to be able to talk. Who's ever done that? The, the talking thingy, right? It's a very cool thing. I like the talking thingy. But you know that listening is a skill that we need to develop. And it's not just a physical skill in physical relationships. It's even in our spiritual world. Think about it. In your spiritual walk, when, when you need to hear God when he speaks to you. In Romans 10 verse 17 it says, So when faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes by the word of God. It doesn't just mean reading the Bible. It doesn't just mean sitting at home, reading it all by yourself. Hearing the word of God can come through preaching. It can come through, through worship even. Tonight, through a prophetic word that was given. I'm going to pick on you the whole night, so I hope you know. It can come through someone walking into this building tonight and coming and speaking to you and asking you, how are you doing? And you're like, yes, tough week. Because God wants to speak to us, but many times we actually don't listen. And the thing is, God has placed us into family in Psalm 68 verse 6. As God settles the solitary in a home. Jeez, this is some English standard version. He leads us out. He leads out the prisoners to prosperity, but the rebellious dwell in the parched land. That's an interesting one. I have it. I had it in NIV, which is easy. It says that he places the lonely in family. Who here has ever felt lonely? Lonely? When I was a young guy living in Benoni all by myself, I was about Matthew's age, 20. I lived in a little flat in Benoni all by myself, owned some lonesome. You know how alone I felt? I was off for one and a half days a week. It was a Wednesday afternoon, and it was a Thursday. And I used to go, and I used to watch every single TV, every single movie that was showing at the cinema for that day and a half because I was so alone. And what God does is he places us in family so that we can learn to listen. Proverbs 12 verse 15 it says, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. Proverbs 19, verse 20 to 21. Thank you. Listen to advice and accept instruction that you may gain wisdom in the future. Many are the plans in the mind of a man, but... It is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. Listen to advice. You know that God places leaders. He puts com leaders. He puts friends. He even puts moms and dads, husbands and wives in your life so that you can learn. So that you can get advice. I'm one of those. I'm like one of those really nice donkeys. I will go and I will walk into the wall. 
and then I'll walk into the wall again, and I'll walk into the wall again, because that's just who I am. And you know what I've learned over 15 years of marriage? Listen to your wife. Because there's much, there's lots and lots and lots of pain that I would have saved myself if I actually listened to my wife. James 5 verse 20 says, Let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wanderings will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. So it says in James, it says, when you go and you save a friend from sin, you'll be able to actually bring him back. How do you save a friend from sinning? You stand there and wave at him. What do you do? Let me use an example. Christian, for me. When Christian was little, let's use an example. This is an oven. Hot plate. So Christian goes and like, he wants to put his hand. Ooh, that's pretty warm. So what do you do? Do you go like, try, try? Oh no, Christian, don't do it. Oh no, it's going to hurt you. Is that what you do? Is that what you do? What do you do? Christian, do it again. Christian, Nia! Who's done it? We've done it. Because what we do is, is we're saving him from hurting himself. And that's what the church is so important. But many times we don't listen because we're slow to listen. Thank you. There's a story of a man who was sitting on the roof of his house and there was a storm. A flood was happening. And it was flooding. And so he ended up sitting on the top of his roof. And he prayed and he said, Lord, I ask you that you would save me. And so he sits on the top of the roof and a helicopter comes by. And the guys stop and they lower the ladder and they say to the guy, come, we'll take you. He's like, no, 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 God said he'll save me. And so the helicopter leaves. And then a little bit later, there comes a guy in a little rowboat. And he rows past and he's like, Brew, come get in the boat, you know. Um, we'll save you. He said, no, no, no. God said it's okay. You know, he'll save me. Third time, guys in a rubber duck come past. And they're like, Brew, get in the boat, get in the boat. No, it's okay. You know, God said he'd save me. And eventually the guy drowns. And he gets up to heaven. And he gets in, he's like, Lord, you know, I now died and I'm unhappy with you because you didn't actually save me. And he said, Brew, I sent three people to save you, but you didn't want to listen. Because we're easy, we, we, we struggle to listen. And God wants us to listen because it teaches us to hear how God speaks. And I want to tell you guys a story. In 1 Kings 19, who knows the story of, of Elijah and Jezebel? Eh? Who doesn't know the story? I'll tell you quickly. So Elijah is a prophet in Israel. And King Ahab and Jezebel, they become king and queen. And what they decide is like, no, they don't like this whole Jesus 
this whole God, Joel, they're going to put up their own like pillars and they're going to get people to worship them and they're going to be worshiping the bowls. They're going to be doing sacrifices and all those lack of things because it's cool. Because you know what happens is when you serve God, there is a sense of, what do you call it? Conviction when you sin. But so they decide, no, 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 no. We're going to have our own gods because then we don't have to feel convicted. And so anyway, so God eventually speaks to Elijah and he goes and, he, and, and it stops raining in the land because of the sin that Ahab and Jezebel have done. So then they go and God says, so Elijah says to this oak, he says to Ahab, listen, Brew, it will only rain in the land if I say so. And so they decide and, and they say that, and Elijah goes and tells the people that they need to choose either God Baal or God or Yahweh in that town. So the people must choose. So they're going to have a little bit of a, of, a, of a competition. Like, you know, like you get a dance battle, but they just had a bra battle. So they go and they build these two altars and they put this whole cow on top of it or this bull. And they, they put, get everything ready and they get it all sorted. And... So Elijah says to the prophets of Baal, and there was 450 of them. He says to them, don't light the fire. So what you're going to do is, is you're going to worship and call out to Baal. And if he answers by fire, then he is God. And then when you're done, I'm going to do this. And then if my God answers by fire, then he is God. So this whole thing plays out for a whole day. And the prophets of Baal, they're jumping around and they're screaming. And, and eventually they start stabbing themselves and cutting themselves. And nothing happens. So Elijah taunts them a little bit and says, hey, maybe the oak's gone on a trip. Maybe he's sleeping. Scream louder. So they scream louder. And eventually after all of this, he just gets tired of it. And he's like, okay, no, this is done now. And the Bible says that the afternoon sacrifice, Elijah went and he said, no, come, boys, bring water. So they take water and they pour water over the whole altar. So what happens when wood's wet? It's not going to light lacquer, all right? It's going to be a little bit of a problem. So Elijah goes and he prays and he says, Lord, I ask you that you would answer by fire. And the Bible says that fire fell from heaven, that it literally took the bull, it took the wood, it took the stones and even licked up the water that was in the trench. And God was God. And Elijah went and he killed all 450 prophets of Baal. So do you guys think, I think that's quite cool, eh? Imagine God did that with me. I would be on this absolute high, like, yeah, my God did it. You know, yeah, it's happened. And after this whole thing, Jezebel decides, <laughs> I'm going to send this out a little message. So Jezebel, one woman, sends Elijah a message and she says, I'm going to kill you. And what does Elijah, Elijah do? At that moment in time, most guys will be like, yeah, check, my God answered with fire. What does Elijah do? Elijah tucks tail and runs. And he goes into the desert and he, he goes and he hides because he was intimidated by Jezebel. And he goes and he sits under a broom tree. I looked at what a broom tree looks like. It's, it's more of a shrub than anything else. It's not really very big. 
And so Elijah goes and sits there and he feels all sorry for himself. And, you know, and he's like, yeah, you know, it's terrible and everything else. And, you know, I'm the only prophet of God left. There's no one else left. And eventually the oak gets tired and he falls asleep. And the angel of the Lord comes to him and he wakes him up. And he says to him, Elijah, wake up, buddy. And what he does is he gives him bread and water and he eats it. And you know what he says to him? He says to him, eat and drink because the journey for you is too much for you. And then Elijah lays down and sleeps again. And he wakes him up a second time. And he gives him bread and water again. And then Elijah gets up. You know what he does? He travels 40 days into the desert. 40 days and 40 nights. And I went and read up about it. Who of you guys have seen 40 in the Bible on numerous, numerous occasions? The Israelites were 40 years in the desert. Then Elijah was in for 40 days in the desert. Paul was in for 40 days in the desert. Jesus went 40 days into the desert. So 40 basically represents a period of testing. It's like it represents the generation of a man. And so what happens in those 40 days? Elijah basically has nothing to rely upon except God. Who's ever been there? Been there? You guys with me? I know I'm telling lots of stories. I hope I'm going to get through everything I want to get through tonight. And so Elijah goes and he gets to the mountain of the Lord. And that's a place called Horeb. Where he gets to a place where that's where God is. And sometimes we get to that point where like, okay, Lord, I can't do it on my own anymore. I'm coming to you now. Because I've tried to fight this battle on my own. And 1 Kings 19 verse 9b, it says that the word of the Lord came to Elijah. And he asked him, a very interesting question. What are you doing here, Elijah? Why are you here? God knew. But Elijah tried to do his own thing. And God brought him back. And then as God asked him that question, what does he do first? He tries to justify what he's done. Who's ever tried to justify themselves when you've done something wrong? When kids are are like little, my kids especially. Whenever we moan at Levi, he's like, Daddy, but sissy did this. I'm like, no, I don't want to know what sissy did. I want to know what you did. Because we always try and justify things. So Elijah tries to justify. He says, Lord, I've been, I did this. I'm the only one left. Don't you think it's a little bit self-centered? It's about I. Me, myself, and I. You know that that's the unholy trinity? Because it's all about you. And so God doesn't even listen to him. What he says to him is, go and stand on the mountain and wait for me. Because I'm going to pass by you. And number one, what happens is, first, there's a mighty wind that blows. Who's ever heard a mighty wind blow? We had it over this weekend. When it comes, it's like it's almost like that, that rattling noise when the whole house goes. Because we live at the mountain, we get it often. 
There's this mighty wind that blows. And you know what happens? God's not in the wind. Second of all, there's like this hectic earthquake. Who's ever been in an earthquake? Everything rattles around you. You think you're going to die. The first thing you do is you run for the bath or you run for a door. And you try and stand in the door or under the table. All right? Because you're trying to, to kind of get out the way. But yet God wasn't in the earthquake. Thirdly, what's the third thing that happened? There was a fire. A massive big fire. But yet God wasn't in the fire. What happens? Right after that, God speaks to him in a still, small voice. And he asks him the same question. Elijah, what are you doing here? It's very amazing that God was in all that. Made all that noise. There was this whole earthquake. There was all this wind. There was all this fire. But yet God wasn't in any of it. But he was in the still small voice. And you know that the God that spoke the whole creation into being. Just by his voice. Takes enough time to speak to you and me individually. In a still small voice. How awesome is that? And you know that God doesn't shout and he doesn't roar over us. God doesn't make a noise. Because you know that God is the biggest gentleman on the planet. He will never force you to do anything. He speaks to you. It comes from you if you're going to respond. You guys with me still? You guys look very intense at me. <laughs> you know who roars? You know he makes the biggest noise. In 1 Peter 5 verse 8, it says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. That's what the enemy does, is he comes and he makes noise. He comes and he, he creates chaos so that you can't hear the still small voice of what God is wanting to do. And yet, Elijah still tries and justifies himself again. Because he says, yeah, but Lord, I still did this. I still did that. And 1 Kings 19 verse 15, God says interesting, something interesting to him. Where did you go? Are you back? 19.15. There we go. And the Lord said to him, go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive, you shall anoint Hazel, <coughs> the king over Syria. But in actual fact, it says to, in, in the NIV, it says, go back the way you came. It's interesting that God said that to Elijah. How many of us have God said, go back? Go fix. Go do what I told you to do. Many times we as Christians, we try and run. We try and do things. We try and, and do whatever we wanted to do. Let's use an example. Who's the guy in the boat that got 
eaten by the fish. Let's see how well you know your Bible. Jonah. So Jonah, what happened? He tried to run away from God. And where did he take him? Back to Nineveh. Because that's where he wanted him to be. And what did Jonah do? He preached to the people of Nineveh for how many days? 40 days. So it's interesting that God does that. Because he said to him, go back the way you came. And many times we try and do things in our own way. And what does God do? He takes us back again to the place where he wants us to be. Because he wants to deal with us. And it comes back again. If you leave a church because of an offense or because you're unhappy with someone, God will bring you back in the next church that you get to. You will get offended about the same thing because God wants to deal with you. Because God cannot take you on to the next thing that he has for you if you don't deal with what you need to deal with. Point number two. Be slow to speak. Who's got a quick tongue when you get in an argument? Who's quick to talk? Hey? Ah, you oaks are just being humble. When you get into a fight with someone, you're quick to, to bounce back. Hey? Yeah, we all are. I can see Evie and Tarin's like just handling it over there. <laughs> Many years ago, a preacher preached on this specific verse that I'm speaking about. And he said that when you're angry, you need to speak really slowly. Something like this. I want to say that I disagree. Do you think it's going to work? Not a chance. Never in a million years. That's not what James tried to bring across. It doesn't mean trying to speak slowly because you'll just irritate each other even more. And then you'll really want to kill each other. You know, the most kitchen appliances like pots and pans have, was actually created as weaponry for women, for self-defense. Yo, your ex looks so serious. Yo, I'm just joking, man. A Greek philosopher named Zeno, who lived about two and a half thousand years ago, summed up what James was actually talking about. He wrote that we have one mouth and two ears, and that we should give us a fair idea of how much talking we should do compared to how much listening we should do. Two ears, one mouth. The average human speaks about 150 to 200 words in a minute. 150 to 200 words. But you know that your brain can process up to 800 words a minute. By listening. Not speaking. Einstein was once asked if he had a formula for success. So success equals X equals Y plus Z. He said that the X stands for work, and the Y stands for play. And then he was asked what Z stand, stood for. And he replied, it's keeping your mouth shut. Because so many times we say things that we can get into 
ourselves into trouble. And we can hurt people by the things we say. All right? Who's ever said something where you wish you could take it back? Right after you said it. Imagine you could have a keyboard where you could say, Control Z, remove what I've said. You can go back. I'll be seeing lots and lots of people pressing the Control Z button. Because we say things very quickly off the back. And we actually hurt people. Because we're careless with our words sometimes. Proverbs 10 verse 19 says the following. Whoever guards his mouth preserves his life. Hello, go back. Yeah, Oh, but the previous one was really nice. I like that one. Go back. 30, Proverbs 13 verse 3. It says, whoever guards his mouth preserves his life. He who opens wide his lips come to ruin. Be careful what we say. Be careful how we talk to one another. Be careful how we talk about one another. God wants us to restrain our lips and be careful what we say. In 1 Samuel, we read another story about Saul. He goes into battle with his sons and the Philistines are busy taking them over and Saul gets hurt in the battle. He gets wounded. So he turns to his armor bearer and he says to him kill me because I don't want the Philistines to get me because they'll torture me and kill me slowly so the armor bearer says there's no way bro I'm not killing you I'm not going to have my hand kill the king so Saul actually falls on his own sword and he kills himself and so after the battle one of the young guys escape and he gets back to Israel and he comes into David's court and he runs up to David and and he says to David, the king is dead. And so David says to him, but how do you know? He says, no, because the king was wounded and he was actually in pain. So he asked me to kill him and I killed him. Guess what David did? Guess what he did? He took the young man and he actually killed him. Because David knew that you don't touch the Lord's anointed. And this young man spoke too quickly and thought that he was going to get favor with David because now the problem's out the way. The Saul was out the way so David could be king. But yet, it wasn't what God planned. And he got killed in the process. He said, no, 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 it wasn't really me. It was too late. He paid for his life with the lie that he told easy to tell lies um, how many of us have ever told a lie a little white lie it's okay it's only a little one and you know what you do is you tell a little one then you tell a second one then you tell a third one then you tell a fourth one then eventually you actually believe your own lie and then you get caught out because you forgot what the first lie was because you're at number 10 already James 3 verse 5 and 6 says, Come to Eve. So also the tongue is a small member, 
yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. The tongue is an interesting tool. Everyone, grab your tongue, please. Uh -huh. Come, Joel. Uh -huh. Grab your tongue. This thing is a scary tool. Because it actually can either bring life or death. The rabbis of old called it the third tongue. Because it's quite a strange expression, but they called it that because they believed that it killed the speaker. That it killed the person that was being spoken to. And it killed the person that was it was speaking of. Scary that. Because this thing can bring life and death. Proverbs 18 verse 20, 21 tells us that death and life lies in the power of the tongue. Number three, be slow to anger. Who gets angry quickly? Like I'm talking like really angry. All of us, you can think you're not angry because if you're single, you live by yourself. So if you get angry, you don't know because there's no reflection of a mirror to show you. Until you get married one day, you realize. You know, in, my, in, in, in our house, like my kids, then I will say something to them. And, and I said to Kim the one day, I had to explain it to my kids. It's like sometimes I would be like, Tyrelee and Levi. And they're going to answer me. And they're like, Daddy, you're shouting at me. I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm just slightly raising my voice. But for my kids, they think that I'm shouting at them. But we get angry very quickly. Anger is a major problem in our world. We have an anger-driven society. Who's had road rage? We've all had road rage. We've had riot rage. Do you guys know what riot rage is? When the government doesn't do something that someone wants, then they go and they break it down or they burn it down because they get angry. The riots in Durban was because of anger. We get substance abuse. We get violence. We get suicide. We get alcohol abuse. And a lot of that is actually related to anger. Verbal abuse, physical abuse, it comes out of anger because we, we're actually an angry people. And when we get angry, we actually can, it feels rational. I can get angry because of this. I can get angry because of that. And when you're angry at a person, you, you clear. You, you think, yes, this is what I'm going to do. Who's ever been angry with someone? And then you actually get into the situation. You actually realize it's not really what you actually thought was actually the truth. A couple of months ago, Kim and I, we had a situation in our own hearts that we had to deal with. And we were angry at someone. I was like, seriously, mate. 
because I thought that this guy did something and I was miffed at him. So I sent him a message the one day and I said, bro, I'm seriously miffed at you. And he's like, I never did anything. And you know what happened? The guy drove all the way from Cape Town to come and see me so we could actually chat and deal with it. And he never said anything. Can I tell you something? God actually brought something so good out of it. But we get angry so quickly at people around us. This anger interferes with our ability to think rationally. There's a great example in the book of Esther. And I actually read it today and I thought that was quite an interesting book, story. King Xerxes. Who's ever heard of King Xerxes? Right? One of the most powerful kings that ever lived in the old Persian king. And so this guy decides, because he's such a good king, he's going to have some serious party. Right? John last night had like a half a birthday rugby party. And it was like a very low-key kind of party. All right? It wasn't, there was no fireworks. There was nothing hectic. But King Xerxes decided he's going to have such a big party, it's going to carry on for 180 days to celebrate just because he's awesome. All right? That's why he did. And, and, and the Bible actually says that all the cups that they had was made out of gold, and everyone had a different pattern on it. And the wine was free-flowing. It never ended. It was just constantly giving people wine, giving them alcohol, and it was awesome. So, but the king decided to get happy in the process. So he decides that he's married a really good-looking wife. So, Shireen and Evia, please come join me in the front. Now they're nervous. Come stand here by me. <laughs> So they got married a couple of months ago, a year ago. How long ago? Eh? Ten months, almost a year. So for Evia at the moment, Tarina's the most beautiful woman on the planet. Okay? As they marry and as they get married and they carry on as they married and they, they carry on, she gets more beautiful. It does happen when you're married for years. All right? Your wife just gets more and more pretty. Okay? And husbands, you become more and more handsome. Right? Am I, am, am I ready? Uh, am I right? Hey? That's it. And so in the process, Ma Marion, Colin is good looking, eh? There we go. Right, we got that done. So anyway, so they just got married. And so King Xerxes also got married, and he loves his wife, and he thinks she's the most beautiful woman in the world. So he decides that he's going to parade her in front of everyone. So parade your wife in front of everyone, please. Right? Just walk, lead her by the hand, and parade her in front of everyone. There we go. There we go. So that's an example you guys can sit. But King Xerxes decides he's going to take this to the next level. So he decides because his wife is so pretty, she's only going to wear a crown. Okay, literally, he was going to parade her naked in front of the whole group of people because she was so pretty. Scary stuff. So what do you think his wife, Vashti, actually did? She was like, no way, bro, I'm not doing this. 
So the king actually got angry at her. He get angry at her. So he goes and he makes a law. And he banishes her out of his presence forever. She's never allowed to come back. And at those times when the king made a decree or a law, it could never, ever be repealed. So he lost his wife because he got angry. And afterwards he realized what he actually did. But he couldn't change it. The anger of man never achieves what God wants to achieve anyway. That's why God wants us to be slow to anger. Don't get angry. Jesus, in the temple, he went in and there was money changers. He could have gone and gotten angry and beaten everyone. The Bible says that he went, made a whip, came back and then chased everyone out. And the Bible says to us, you can, come, you, can, you can become angry, but do not sin. Because you do not take your anger out against the people that you love. Because those that are close to us are the ones that we always hurt the most. You guys still with me? Psalm 103 verse 8. It says, the Lord is merciful and gracious. Slow to anger and abounding in love. We need to learn to live according to the Lord's character, God's character. Be like Him. Don't be like ourselves. And there's two ways that we deal with anger, and I'm almost done. Number one is we need to learn to understand. Proverbs 14 verse 29 says, he who is slow to wrath has great understanding, but he who is impulsive exalts folly. We do things so quickly, impulsively. And I've learned I'm quite an impulsive person. If I put my head on something, I want to do it. And you know what I've learned? Is I've got people that God has added to us, and they throw the fishing line, they hook me by the hook, and they pull me back. Slow down, Bruce. Think about it. Because that's what I do. And I've learned my lesson. Last year I bought a Jeep. It was a lovely car. I loved it for the first week that I had it. And then I hated it. Because it cost me money. It was the most expensive car and fuel that I've ever driven. Driving from here to Cape Town and back. 1,300 rand just to fill up the tank, and the tank's finished. 25,000 rand for a blown head gasket a month after I had the car. Why? Because I was impulsive. I made a doof decision. I've learned. And sometimes we need to think. Ask people advice. Because we need to learn to understand. Proverbs 19.11 says, The discretion of a man makes him slow to anger, and his glory is to overlook a transgression. What does it say? Good sense makes one slow to anger, but in his glory to overlook an offense. Sometimes we need to just overlook things. 
apologize, even if it's not you. Use common sense. There's a song that says that the Mull Brothers, I don't know who knows the Mull Brothers. They used to sing this song. It went something like this. You always hurt the one you love, the one you shouldn't hurt at all. You always take the sweetest rose and crush it till the petals fall. But sometimes we hurt people because we do. And sometimes it's our own anger that pushes people away. And then we ask ourselves the question, why? But it's because we haven't taken that scripture and made it a part of who we are. And second of all, it's our faith. You know, we all want to see justice. We all do. Kim always says to me, babes, if I was just a judge, I would show these oaks how I'm going to sort it out. I'm glad that the Lord never made my wife a queen. Because she would be off with his head. It would just be the way it is. Because Kim hates injustice. She hates it. I think my wife would be a mass murderer if she had to be queen. I'm telling you. Thank you, Jesus, for being gentle to us. But we all like that, am I right? We get upset. We want justice for ESCOM because ESCOM puts us in the dark. We want justice because of all the corruption and all the things that are going on. But in Psalm 37, verse 1 to 4, it says, Do not threat because of evildoers, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as a green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Seek the Lord and he will do things for you. Because where's our focus? We focus around us and on the things around us instead of keeping our eyes on Jesus. And the word threat means to burn with anger. We mustn't do it. Abraham once said, Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? Genesis 18 verse 25. God is the judge, not us. He knows. But we need to be swift to listen. Slow to speak, and we need to be slow to become angry. So tonight, we're going to do communion. And I want to ask Letitia to come play the piano for me. And we know... In 1 Corinthians, it speaks about where Jesus paid the price for us. 
where it says that his body was broken for us. His blood was poured out for us. And the Bible says that if you carry anything in your heart against someone, you need to go and you need to make it right. If you know that your brother even has something against you, you need to go make right. Because if we don't, we, we bring judgment upon ourselves. And there's one guy many years ago that preached a sermon saying, sinners in the hands of an angry God. I don't want to be in the hands of an angry God. I want God to look at me one day and say to me, well done, good and faithful servant. I want God to look at me one day and say, Brew, you brought your kids up well. Brew, you never got angry. You listened to my voice. You were slow to speak. And we're not going to get it right overnight. We'll never do it. But tonight, God wants to come and He wants to restore our hearts. Because the grace of God is this, that we can go and we can repent. We can go to Him and say, Lord, I'm sorry. I want to turn away, which is 180 degrees, and walk the other way. Because our God is a God that forgives. Our God is a God that comes and changes. But He only changes us if we're willing to be moved. Just like Elijah tonight. God asked him, Elijah, why are you here? What are you doing? Tonight we need to ask ourselves that question. Saying, Lord, what am I doing? What is the last thing that you've told me to do that I haven't listened? What is the last thing that I've said to someone where I've hurt them? Where I've broken them down? Where I've been horrible? And the Lord wants us to come to his table tonight and to repent and say, Lord, I want my life to be in right standing before you. And we're going to take one minute. I want everyone to close their eyes. And if you're there tonight and you're in that place and you're saying, Lord, I want to be in right standing with you tonight. Lord Jesus, I've sinned. I've, I've lived a life that has not been for you. And you've never made that commitment to Jesus to say, Lord, I want to be a Christian. Or you in that place and you said, I've given my heart to the Lord before, but it hasn't meant anything. I've gone astray. I've run off on my own. But Lord, tonight I want to come back and serve you with my whole heart. I want to make that opportunity tonight available for anyone here that has never made a commitment to Jesus. Or you have served the Lord and you've maybe given your heart to Him, but you've drifted. And if there's anyone tonight, I want you to just stick up your hand so I can pray for you. Thank you. I see those guys. And so I'm going to ask everyone to pray with us tonight. And, and as I pray, I want you to pray after me. 
as a whole congregation with these guys. And Lord Jesus, tonight I come before you and I repent. Lord, I lay my life down and it's no longer I that live, but it's you that live in me. Lord Jesus, forgive my sins and make me new. Let me serve you with all my heart. In Jesus' name. And so, Father, tonight I want to come and ask, Lord, for, for the guys that raise their hands tonight. Lord, that as they come before you tonight, Lord, that, that their spirits would change. Lord, that, they would, that there would be new life. There would be a new beginning, Lord, that would happen from tonight. Lord, that the past would be gone, that the new would come. And Lord Jesus, I pray tonight, Lord, as we take, Lord, and we have communion tonight, Lord, that we would go and we would fix our hearts. Lord, that we would deal with the things inside of us. Lord, as we don't want to be people that would be quick to speak, quick to get angry. But Lord, tune our ears so that we can listen to when you speak to us. And Father, we thank you for that tonight.